I'm Trisha Real, also known as Trish the Dish. And I'm Isaac Bluefoot. And this is Salty Astrology. A single pinch is never enough. Yeah, I mean, buckets. Salt licks. All right. <laughs> so I just want to come out the gate and say that I am just a bit salty that we've been in this experience of the last new moon cycle where our last report had so much positivity about what manifestations <laughs> were coming forward and mm. how great this particular alignment of Capricorn could be. Yeah. And honestly, in the midst of such a great possibility for manifestation, it feels like the trenches, it's hard, mm -hmm. it's slamming us, yeah. and it's still Capricorn. Yeah, it is. I know. Uh I just had to get a new washing machine at our house. And then only days later, the hot water heater broke and needed to be fully replaced. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Isn't this all happening in your fourth house? It is the fourth house of home security, the inner depth. So it's just a lot of Capricorn energy in that area. And it's great to have improvements and it's great to, that everything worked out, but it's also, very intense and all these things they do cost some monies yeah this is really literally the hard reality of capricorn the need to do like the nitty-gritty foundational reinforcements and maintenance that goes into the mentality of being the adult in the room which is capricorn's <laughs> job yeah 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 thankfully we all have capricorn in our charts <laughs> so we have the tools to be that adult yeah it's really hard right now and yeah. i'm really salty about the fact that even when we try to be positive in a practical manner, as we did in the last episode, practicality feels way harder in application. Yeah, and I do try to kind of have everything already working well so that it's not, you know, big amounts of chaos around me. But life still happens. I mean, shit happens. Uh, and let's be honest, the hot water heater and what else you replaced? Washing machine. And the washing machine. These are things that are in place for a very long time. Yeah. And they are slowly decaying. And so it's a great example of, yes, it's true that all these aspects that came together at once might line up and sound appropriate to describe the actual events that are happening in your life. But the reality is, it's the last thousand aspects that have passed <laughs> through our lives yeah. and through your washer and through your hot water heater that have built up to the decay that leads to the breakdown moment that happens to happen during the Capricorn moment when you're making new manifestations in the hard world for reality <laughs> and stuff real. Yeah, and it is the very tail end of Pluto going through Capricorn. So it is really the end of a cycle. <laughs> Maybe it's a washing machine cycle. <laughs> well, to be honest, amongst many of the cycles that happen, and this is what I'm salty about, is that there's a moon circling around our planet every month. Mm -hmm. It is making aspects to every single sign throughout the month. Mm -hmm. We tend to just ignore it because we'd be talking about astrology all day, every day, if we were trying to describe every aspect the moon was going through. <laughs> yeah. through the month. Instead, we go, hey, how about the sun? We'll talk about the sun throughout the year because that's enough that we can actually get it done. And we're obsessed with our egos. So, of course, we want to talk about the sun all year long and then do it again next year. <laughs> but the moon is moving through them all. And so our emotional relationships to every one of these aspects of ourselves, which these planets somehow represent, are being tested and tried. And we're like, hey, guess what? It's gonna be a positive Capricorn next month. You mean next month? 
when the moon is going through every single position with the planets. So throughout this next moon cycle, we're gonna see the moon make a conjunction, a square in an opposition with Jupiter. So our feelings about how lucky we feel about these times are gonna feel constantly shifting like they always do. Yeah, it's definitely a varied experience. And I have also been looking for work. So, you know, some days I feel really positive that Del Arte is gonna be able to hire me back any minute, or that I'm gonna become super successful with the movie coming into town, or Zephram Gates, or who knows what. Or maybe someone's gonna hear this podcast and realize they can hire you to do their chart. True, and I also do astro poems for babies. They're like, oh. yes, yeah, 16 verses, and it's a whole interpretation of the chart but in a poem format and it's funny, they're rhyming and they're also accurate to the chart. I totally love that. And I personally did not read my own kids' charts until they were older mm -hmm. because I didn't want to put that on them. Totally, that's why it's really fun to have a poem because it's something that you can share with your grandma, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't get lost in the astro lingo. Yeah, well put. It's mm -hmm. beautiful. And it'll always give us a certain ringing of true as we get to know them. Mm -hmm. They can be like, wow, that poem always had a little something to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope that people <laughs> uh, realize just how skilled you are and they can enlist those services. Yes. So last we left off, we were talking about some transitions from the sun and Pluto together as they were squaring with the moon and Jupiter together, as I just mentioned. And you were really putting an emphasis on the big shift that we're going to see as Pluto leaves Capricorn. Right. And that's that whole weekend, January 20th. And I actually have a, a breakdown of the exact times. <laughs> so for those who really want to geek out on the January 20th weekend, there's a Pluto transition uh, with the sun and Pluto moving from Capricorn to Aquarius that weekend. So it's really epic as we've discussed. And at 11.46 a.m. on January 20th, this is all Pacific Standard Time, Pluto will be at the very last critical degree of Capricorn, 29 degrees, 29 minutes. At 12.07 p.m., the sun enters Aquarius. And then, at 10.50 p.m., Pluto enters Aquarius that same day, January 20th. So it's a really big transition. And then by the 21st, Sun and Pluto will be traveling together in Aquarius. And that will begin the new epic. It's so sweet that the Sun is holding Pluto's hand as they cross over <laughs> into that next realm. And it's also pretty nice that both Mercury and Mars came to the party at Capricorn's house to see Pluto off. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of, uh, you know, mental action, a lot of ambition and energy for that. And, you know, there are some squares happening on that January 20th. Now, this is a week before the full moon. Which squares are going on? Well, uh, we have Venus is going to be squaring Neptune. And um, Venus is the planet of art and aesthetics, the things you're attracted to. Neptune rules the collective unconscious, known as the dissolver. 
And so a square, which is a point of challenge, uh, might suggest that we might be a little less realistic on this weekend coming up, the January 20th weekend, maybe more prone to fantasy, daydreaming. <laughs> is Venus in Sagittarius during that time? Yeah. Yeah, Sagittarius is definitely going to increase that daydreaminess, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it is still, it's great. Uh, as an opportunity to trust the universe and express ourselves through art, music, theater, or mm. juggling. I'm going to even suggest, though, that it might be a time where our daydreaming and spaciness gets us into some trouble. Uh, personally, that looks like with Neptune in Pisces, which it's been for a while and will be. Yeah. Like, that's like double Pisces meeting up with the wild side of Sag flavoring Venus's moment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess enjoy your space cadet time because you're going to pay the price later down the line. <laughs> yeah, I've already got all my directions written down for, you know, where I'm supposed to go to the juggling festival and how to get from here to there and so that I won't have to think too hard because I've already done the, the practical work. Ideally, in a world where astrology is helping us and getting to know it in advance can actually be a benefit to our lives. Sure. Sure. Hey, maybe that happens. This is a good example of, well, you know that you're going to be in a space cadet time, <laughs> but you have foresight to see that you're going to be. So you can take care of those things Ahead. you need to do. Yeah, take care of your future self. Yeah. The other thing that's going on in that weekend is that we have Saturn, the planet of life lessons, structure, form, discipline, is going to be squaring the moon. So, you know, it is kind of a, a sobering, <laughs> sobering to the daydreaming. We might feel burdened or overwhelmed by responsibilities. Domestic problems could be a concern. I'm gonna even suggest even not embracing those responsibilities, and maybe that's a part of why it's gonna feel extra hard when we're daydreaming. Yeah, I'm trying to get all of my housing responsibilities sorted before going so that I can just go daydream it. Yeah, I like the way you keep using your knowledge of what's to come as a way to prepare and make sure that you're fortified before <laughs> you get there. Well, we hope it works. <laughs> don't we though? Yeah. Don't we? <laughs> So, and then we were going to talk about the full moon on January 25th. Yeah, I do believe we're going to have it full in Aquarius and Leo, right? Yeah, the sun's going to be in Aquarius, the moon will be in Leo, and it's going to happen at 9.54 a.m. on January 25th, 2024, Pacific Standard Time. So, you know what to do. Make adjustments depending <laughs> yeah. on where you are. Adjust for yeah. your location, yeah. yeah. So this is actually an interesting full moon. Uh, it's called the wolf moon. Uh, Who calls it that? Well, Native Americans said that wolves would howl outside during this cold winter month. So oh. yeah, <laughs> so you could do some howling. Or call family because you have a phone. Yeah, and then yeah. howl at them. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're <laughs> doing when they're howling. Like, hey, you okay? <laughs> We're cool over here. Oh. <laughs> And this is a kind of interesting one, uh, this full moon, because the sun and Pluto are together and opposite the moon. So the Leo Aquarius polarity deals with the balance between all that's personal, Leo, and all that's impersonal, Aquarius. Mm. So the heart and the vision. 
Yeah. Uh, attention on matters of leadership and inspiration, vision in the future, creative self-expression versus friendships and groups. The sun is in Aquarius, so it's kind of bringing the ego into the space of the community, while the moon in Leo brings our emotional core into that space of like self-expression. Yeah, it's a kind of a push-pull between being individually valued for our own unique light while also being part of a team. Yeah, it's a aspiration for everyone, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Hard to get during the winter. For sure, I have definitely been uh, not as inspired with the cold, rainy wetness. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, it's a time to express ourselves this full moon while also staying connected to the group. And kind of, you know, some questions about what the future is going to bring, how can tech help and does it, because this whole tech transition is you mean, huge. You mean the transition into Aquarius with Pluto? Yeah. Frankly, I don't feel like that stuff can even be felt when we're talking about Pluto, because it's such a slow-moving planet. That's like, wow, look at this exciting moment as the snail crosses the finish line. <laughs> Any day now, it'll finish crossing the line. Yeah. It's not even over the line yet, where we start beginning what we call Aquarius. No, it's on the line for, uh, y'all want to get a break and then come back and see how the snail's doing? So we, we will feel it, but it's not the kind of thing we feel until years of it, mm -hmm. similar to the way that we didn't change your hot water heater and your washer until years of laundry. Yeah. And yeah, Pluto is going to be at zero degrees of Aquarius. So it's this process is called the ingress. It's Pluto's ingress into Aquarius. It's the astro lingo. <laughs> Honestly, the last year of new technology developments, the ingress has long been underway. Oh, yeah. Like I, mm -hmm. the girth of Pluto's energy has already crossed the line last year so, yeah. <laughs> yeah well you know pluto did enter aquarius before for a, a few months last year in 2023 we had a little preview and now we're getting it for another bunch of months until september 2nd pluto retrogrades back into capricorn until november 20th mm -hmm. 2024 and then it's full-on pluto and aquarius for 20 years yeah until 2044. i'm going to suggest also that we don't really understand how the end of Capricorn is actually different than the beginning of Aquarius in the same way we don't know how red-orange and orange-red where the line they cross is. And so there's a degree to with which probably the latter aspects of Capricorn possess more and more technological foundational energies that we just don't understand. That's just too precise of an aspect of the entirety of the chart that Pluto's been in those aspects for a while, and that is the stuff that starts to preempt what will later be what we call Aquarius. Right. And then, you know, Pluto has an orbit of 248 years. So the last time it transitioned from Capricorn to Aquarius was when we had the American Revolution in the United States, and mm. they actually created the Constitution and created the vision for the United States. But first, there was a lot of a disharmony and challenge. So during the last transition into Aquarius, we had an entire new reinvention of how governments organize. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. 
and then it went into Aquarius and the beginning of the Industrial Revolution kicked off. Yep. So, wow, we're here again. <laughs> we made it back around. What are we going to create this time? It could be all new and hopefully it will. Oh, it's going to be so dreamy and probably feel just as hard as your hot water heater. <laughs> collapsing under the pressure of all that water. The other thing about this full moon is that it's fairly dynamic because Jupiter, which you brought up before, is going to be squaring the sun and the moon. That's making a T-square. So it could reveal uncomfortable truths about who we've become, what we must let go of, and also what we need to do to align with a more authentic version of ourselves. There might be clashes of ego, battles of will, and we might even need to watch for exaggeration and drama. Why would we do that? Well, it's Jupiter. You know, Jupiter's the planet of expansion, uh, luck and expansion. And like for me, if I got a dime for every time I exaggerated, I'd have like a gazillion bucks right now. <laughs> so yeah, but Jupiter, even though it's making those that big T-square to the sun and moon, it is going to be making a trine, harmonious trine to Venus and Capricorn at the same time. So there could be, you know, a positive outlet amidst the tensions. I want to suggest here that, yes, there's an opportunity to get insight, as you mentioned with that. But I think at the same time, only if we really bring ourselves to it, because we're talking about the ego and it's in opposition with our sense of emotional priority. And it's going both of them at their own different kind of square to this sense of abundance that there's often a lack of taking the time for insight unless you try to use astrology to go a little bit further and go, hey, wait a minute, why am I being so blocked about this? Why am I being such a on edge about it when I could be something else? So, yeah, I mean, they are benefic energies. You the, the trine? Yeah, between Jupiter and Venus, they're known as the benefics. And so there is the possibility for prosperity amidst challenges. We might not realize that where our ego and our moon are at conflict is probably something that at the same time is actually going to feel pretty smooth and fun in some aspects. And honestly, getting back to the earlier salt, you can't separate the fun from the hard and it all happens <laughs> together. It does. In yeah. a nice layered casserole of life. I think what might even be more important about this full moon is that it's creating, there's a whole configuration that's called a yod here, or a finger of God, or a finger of fate is what they call it in the old lore. And you can see how uh, Venus and Saturn are making a harmonious sextile with each other, and that's the base of this yod, okay? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Venus sextile Saturn, it's really helpful, it's harmony in regard to our mature responsibilities, so it's a great base. When you say the base, you mean because there's a quincunx? Because there are two quincunxes. Saturn and Venus make a sextile, and then they each make a quincunx to the moon in Leo at the full moon. So that's called a yod, or finger of God, finger of fate. That's a pretty auspicious name. How did it earn something <laughs> like that? Well, it's one of these things where you must do what you must. And so it's challenging, but it's necessary. And here it's kind of a focus on expressing ourselves because the moon is in Leo. So, and express, we must. 
Sounds like more of that Capricorn fun. Yeah, and there's, you know, still quite a Capricorn party going on uh, with Venus, Mercury, and Mars. Oh, when does Venus go into Capricorn? Venus goes into Capricorn on January 24th, which is the day before the full moon. So anyhow, there's this Capricorn party and, you know, it's we've had the recent transition of Pluto out of Capricorn and into Aquarius, but Mars conjuncts Mercury and Capricorn here. So that's, you know, more energy for our serious ambitions. And they really talk about January as being a major choice point. How so? Well, I mean, like in the Lord of the Rings, do you know why they chose Frodo to be ring bearer? I think I do, but <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to tell me something else. Because <laughs> of force of Hobbit. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> so I want to put a highlighter on the moments when Mars and Mercury come together. Yeah. It's a good chance that we can both walk the walk and talk the talk in those times because our actions and our words are aligning. Yeah, it could bring more serious mental focus on our ambitions and on the things we want to achieve. Because Mars is pretty strong and effective in Capricorn. It's really the opportunity to get your shit together. Get real. Yeah. What day is that happening again? Well, this is the full moon, January 25th, 2024. And Mercury and Mars will just be one degree apart. So you can really work towards living how we would like to. And start the year off right, like seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, finalizing some cycles of growth by laying the concrete and letting it dry. I'll suggest even that during this time, words might matter. Yeah. And also this Mercury and Mars are making a harmonious trine to Uranus and Taurus at the same time. Oh, so they're going to be shaking some stuff up. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, an aspect that's like a lightning bolt. It's bringing unexpected breakthroughs that push us into the surprising action. Novelty. Yeah, it could, you know, shake us out of where we felt stuck. I am pretty excited to find out what that actually looks like in hindsight. Yeah, I really, um, <laughs> I could use a little unstuckness, personally. I'm going to suggest you're not as stuck as you think. It's just the illusion of how the planets line up. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because, yeah, again, like <clears throat> we said, you can't see how it's actually going to feel when the planets get to where they are, when we're predicting them in the future. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to give people enough tools to, like, know that a wave is coming on the beach. Because otherwise, you don't even know when the waves are coming, and you should never turn your back on the ocean. No. <laughs> the ocean of stars and planets circling the Earth. <laughs> And then speaking of a wave, uh, after, right after the full moon on January 27th, Uranus goes direct. And uh, it's going to be at 19 degrees of Taurus. How long has it been retrograde for, do you know? That was October 2nd, 2023. Okay, so... So, yeah, and so this Uranus going direct on January 27th, Uranus is known as the Great Awakener, the planet of liberation. So we might feel a profound internal restlessness or a desire for change and freedom, particularly in regard to material matters. For myself, I made this awesome new material that's immune to chicken attacks. You have chicken attacks often? <laughs> no, but this new invention, it's impeccable.
So there's another thing that's going on during the full moon, and that is that Chiron, one of the largest of the asteroids, also known as the Wounded Healer, is conjunct the North Node in Aries. The North Node is the theoretical place for where all of the eclipse points happen. And we are going to have a number of eclipses in the new year, 2024. This conjunction between Chiron and the North Node in Aries is at 18 degrees. And so the Chiron conjunction is kind of a nod to the energy of the spring eclipses, which will be at about 15 degrees of Aries and Libra. And so you probably already know that Chiron and the North Node are two of my saltier <laughs> experiences in astrology. Yeah. One is an ephemeral point, which honestly, just now you described more accuracy than I've ever heard described. I'm like, oh, that's what it is? Along with Chiron, the stupid asteroid afflicting our childhood. Ugh, I hate you. <laughs> um, and I love you because you've taught me to be such a great wounded healer. So thank you, Chiron. So yeah, you're really in the thickets as you're describing the technicalities of this aspect. Mm -hmm. Can you paint for us a picture of what the North Node is ruling over? Well, the North Node is known as your pathway towards spiritual integration, your dharma, and the South Node is like your springboard. So wherever those are in your chart is kind of where you can look as your sort of spiritual beacons. So it's the North Node that's conjuncting with Chiron? Exactly. And so here, because the North Node is in Aries and the South Node is in Libra, it's about healing thyself and then you heal your relationships and those possibilities simultaneously. Because oh, the nodes go through the signs opposite together the whole time. So there's always a dichotomy in the movement of the nodes. Right. The North and South Nodes move backwards through the signs. It takes about 18 months for them to move through one sign and then it takes about 18 years for them to make a full cycle through the entire zodiac. So Chiron's also going opposite to the south node at the same time. Yes. That comes hand in hand. Yes, that's just part of it. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a better picture because I've been so salty about these things my whole life that I have been looking away. But that's <laughs> part of what I've agreed to do in this podcast is accept that they exist. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I really love the north and south node. There's... A lot of lore in Vedic astrology that they represent Rahu and Ketu, Rahu being the North Node and Ketu being the South Node. So if you're one of those people who know a little bit about Vedic astrology, then you can frame this stuff through that. How old is Vedic astrology? Remind us. Well, it's, 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 it's old. Like to the point that it's pointing at different parts of the sky that are no longer the way they are, if I'm not mistaken. We talked about that before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think the reason why I bring it up is because it kind of paints the ability of humans to do these kinds of calculations throughout history is really, really old. And that the North Node and the South Node, like they've been tracked for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. They're not even like a physical thing. They're just like mm -hmm. a spot that we have in mathematical relationship to everything else. Yeah, so that we'll know when we're going to have an eclipse, a solar or lunar eclipse, is when the sun or moon is conjunct one of the north or south nodes. So fascinating. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you're at least opening me up to thinking about them more clearly. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Anywho, uh, that's all I really have to say about the full moon presently. Yeah. So when we catch up with our listeners for the next episode... As the moon is reaching its quarter once again, 
its waning quarter. At that same moment, the moon will be now opposite to Jupiter. So everything we've spoken about in this episode, the emotional aspects of ourselves, will be experiencing first this alignment with the buoyant luck of Jupiter, then it'll be squaring with that sense, and then it'll be going at odds with that sense. So like every month, it'll be an emotional cycle that we're moving through. And no matter what, if it's positive or negative, whether it's a hot water heater or what, <laughs> our experiences are very much going to be a cycle once again. So February 2nd, when the next episode comes out, that's where the listeners are going to be about. Well, yeah, uh, the moon is going to be making an opposition to Jupiter, but it's also going to be making an opposition to Uranus. Oh, on the 3rd. On the 2nd and 3rd of February. And February 3rd happens to be my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. So it's going to be a fairly dynamic waning quarter moon on February 2nd and 3rd. So if you're born with sun square Uranus, it's usually rebellious individualists that want to do things their own way and stand out from the crowd and questions the rules and the status quo. You know, it's all this kind of unique reformer energy. So the possibility that we might be able to think outside the box is one constructive outlet <laughs> for this wild energy of uh, Uranus making an opposition to the moon at the uh, February 2nd, February 3rd waning quarter moon. Well, I'm excited to find out what that actually feels like. Well, I guess we're gonna have to come back for another episode to go over the reality of what happened with all the salt we can bring. That's something for everyone to look forward to. And... <laughs> look forward to that. Woo! Yay! Well, you know, we always have to look forward to the future because that's where we're gonna live. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to the past. No, and I'm trying to have more belief in my future being fabulous. And I finished the first draft of my Zephram Gates book number three screenplay. Ooh. So that's great. Now only like, you know, five more drafts to go. <laughs> Where do people look up Zephram Gates when they want to learn more about that? Well, there are books. There are three books of fiction inspired by the Harry Potter books. They are on Amazon, they're on Audible, they're everywhere that you might buy books or listen to audiobooks. Yeah, they're pretty fun. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for including me in those audiobooks. Yeah. I enjoy doing the voices of several of the characters. Yeah, you even did Pirates. Yeah, yeah, and they'll yeah. probably be doing more, I imagine. Mm -hmm. you just keep writing them, I'll be there for you. <laughs> I also really appreciate the editing you do for my audiobook, which is also found on Audible now that you mention it. But it's a podcast, so it's free because it's Superman, Son of L, the unauthorized biography of Clark Kent. And that's not something I can sell. But it's such a compelling story that I have to give it away because everyone should hear this. It's so good. I love the story. Oh, yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah, I really appreciate all you do to make sure that my grammar is correct and that my chapter structures are sound. So thank you. Yeah. Also, anyone that wants to look into the Kinetic Paranormal Society, this show is produced by the Kinetic Paranormal Society. It is a pair of socks and a magic wardrobe traveling through time and space, investigating the supernatural. Also in this dimension, it's a puppet troupe and a kinetic team that races in the Kinetic Grand Championship, uh -huh. for which you are our paranormal judge, you and I. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, all that to look forward to. Go to kineticparanormalsociety.com, where you can also, hopefully in the future, we're going to have some visual charts up for these episodes. If yeah. We can pull it together. Yeah, it would be really great for people to have a visual of what we're talking about. It makes it 
more understandable and looks cool. Yeah, we'll see if we can pull that together. <laughs> Meaning you. <laughs> Meaning me. So yeah, 